0: You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: How is everybody doing? Episode 136 of Locked On Browns. I am your host, Jeff Lloyd, on Twitter, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. can always, guys, please, we do the Locked On Browns Twitter account as a follow back. You guys have absolutely been fantastic with suggestions, people you want to hear, uh, the community's been great. We reached out to these guys. Don't seem to have much issue getting them. Uh, you know, you know, a lot of people are looking for ex-players and stuff like that. Look, there's a lot of shows we got to fill in the offseason. So, uh, you know, I think that's going to be the best time to start adding in those. Maybe, you know, we'll do like a segment a week or stuff with, like that. But I appreciate you guys for everything you've done to this point. Um, Pete Smith is with us here. And look, uh, you know, Pete and I, it seems like we're getting to a point where we're starting to get some divides here on some definitive positions, uh, which obviously makes, you know, the show is even more fun, but Pete, how's everything going, buddy? Uh, you ready for Monday?
0: Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for for if no other reason that I'm like one of the three people who's excited to watch the Steelers play the Texans because we had draft position on it. That's about it.
1: Uh, I hear you. It's for me because during the day, uh, the nine to five, it's the end of the year it is my busiest time of the year. Uh, my wife, she's an absolute saint, makes this happen every year. I just honestly, by the time Christmas Eve comes around, it's like, look, just give me a chair. I've got two days off. Nobody just nobody bother me. I'm just tired. And of course, look, you know, uh, know, we've got a a major barn burner here on Sunday. You know, lots of implications with Browns Bears. Look, uh, you know, on paper, if this was maybe a home game, I'd feel more confident about it. Uh, Any any chance they sneak one out this week?
0: They should win. I mean, the Browns should win this game. If you just line up the two teams next to each other and you take into account the amount of injuries the Bears have had this year, they're a shell of a bad football team. Uh, So, I mean, if you you were just to pick dudes, the Browns would have, you know, however many guys go before you pick the first guy off the Bears, but, you know, you've got – Quarterback issued, you've got the head coach that's just outclassed on a weekly basis that always makes every game, you know, more more uh, dangerous than it needs to be. But, I mean, this is a game where you look at it and, it, you know, any normal situation would be looking at this and you're saying this is a W and move on to the next one. But this is the 0-14 Cleveland Browns that have a ton of talent and no coaching.
1: Yeah, and it was actually nice of one of the uh, Bears' DNs to come out today and say we will not be the team that loses to the 0-14 Browns. Look, guys, you're not doing much better. But uh, the thing, you know, uh, you know, they should be able to shut down Jordan Howard, which is going to put a lot of pressure on Mitch Trubisky. Uh, you look at that Bears wide receiver core, it's a revolving door right now, much like, the, you know, the Bears were for like week three. I mean, the Browns were from weeks three to like 13. Uh, you look at a lot of that, it's a lot of no-name guys. Guys were there for a week, gone, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, so I do agree on paper. And if you look, you know, uh, is there any exceptional stud offensive skill player in this game? Yeah, there is. And he's on Cleveland. So, you know, Josh, you know, it, you know, Josh Cable winning a game on his own against good teams. So obviously he's capable of winning a game on his own versus bad teams. Uh, guys, the Locked On Brown, uh, Thursday edition, obviously brought to you by mybookie.ag. I'll hook you up with a little bit of a promo code in a little bit here. But uh, Pete, getting down into it a little bit further, we're, we're starting, you know, this is one where I kind of, and I, man, I hate to have to eat some crow, especially to you, but uh, the Josh Rosen, uh, Josh Rosen news yesterday, and, and a lot of people were taken aback and like, well, why didn't we hear about this? And look, guys, colleges don't have to disclose injuries. Um, so many times, you know, you know, with, you know, college football, you'll hear lower leg, upper body, you know, that's, you know, they don't have to tell you any more than that. The fact that Josh Rosen himself came out and said he was still in a concussion protocol, and now, if I'm doing it correctly, I do believe his last game was November 24th. And now here we are, obviously, a couple of days from Christmas, and Josh Rosen's saying he is still in a concussion protocol, which would be his second this season, which with a lot of people, and if you go through it, it looks like it's his third of his career to this point. It's It's got to be something you're concerned about. Uh, you know. So... I, this just continues to make the year of Baker Mayfield rise more and more. If we're talking draft position,
0: go ahead, Pete. Well, I mean, it, the, the university doesn't have to say anything about medical. Uh, obviously, Rosen did, but this does become a case where I think the cover-up's worse than the crime. I think this wouldn't be as big of a deal if they came out immediately. It would. It sucks that he got hurt. Uh, you know, in the last game of his, you know, regular college career. Uh, but I don't get too caught up in concussions the way some people do. Um, and that's just because, from what I know, what I've learned about it, as long as you take care of them properly, you know, you don't have one concussion, doesn't ne- ne- uh, necessitate getting another one. It's not like. Josh Roshan is now more likely to get another concussion uh, if he's allowed to, you know, recover properly. Which clearly, with this one, he is. Certainly, it's a case by case basis as far as how guys tend to recover from them. Um, but nowadays, in, in what I do when it comes to concussions, obviously, I hate it when you know we have kids get them. Fortunately, they're a lot less common than they used to be. Uh, but I, honestly, my first fear anymore isn't so much, you know, it's, it's certainly I don't want the kid to be hurt, but it's also I'm worried more along the lines of how parents are going to react because it's one of those things where it immediately jumps to, you know, oh my God, this could cause CTE and all this when the two things aren't necessarily related uh, when you get into that whole thing. So, yes, it's a concern that you need to look into. Um, I think some of that is Josh Rosen is not a big, thick kid. And and when you get into that whole thing, uh, you you immediately want to look at his neck strength. And obviously that's difficult to measure, but that's one way to sort of make it more likely to resist concussions. And then, you know, uh, players are taking – some anyway are taking more and more initiative and control in terms of finding helmets that are really well designed for their head – uh, and just finding the perfect thing to try to combat that as much as possible. So there are things you can do, uh, but that is always that is because of the way this is gone, and because of the seriousness of the the concussions you're treated with. You certainly have to be take it seriously. You certainly have to at least look into it, be concerned with it. But I do think there's got it's gotten to a point now where it's almost people are almost going too far and that they're now uh, taking sort of... I I think it's getting to a point where they're they're taking concussions a little too far and it's going to sound stupid with that, but I do think we've gotten to a point now where uh, the concussion itself isn't nearly as bad as other things that are going on in football as long as it's taken care of properly. So... I, I, I believe me I think Baker Mayfield's better period but this certainly wouldn't be the thing that says to me cross jo- Josh Rosen off your board he's still my number two quarterback nothing has changed as far as I'm concerned I don't like that the kid got hurt I don't like any of that stuff Certainly you got to vet it certainly you got to take the the precautions with everything in it but nothing changed for me based on this in uh, based on what this what 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 has occurred against in Cal.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the good position is, is like you said, and and the other thing is, is, you know, everybody thinks you're out of the protocol, you, you know, look, I, what I'd like to see is, look, you're out of the protocol, okay, we'll see you next week, you know, regardless, if it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday, look, you know, just, you know, err on the side of caution, uh, you know, I know I suffered, a, I know I suffered at least two, if not three, while I was playing, um, it is tough, but I mean, look, I can tell you right now, you know, here I am at over 40 years old, everything, all my faculties, everything seems to be where it should be. You know so it's you know I do understand the 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 cause for concern and you know but you know you know concussions a concussion look as as long as you know with any injury if it's given the proper time and it's not rushed you know you cross your fingers for the for the best uh, for me if if it is a guy I'm looking at it number one overall and now here I am you know viewing this as the Cleveland Browns and look there's a lot riding on it now because look this is year three and, and as much as people don't want to believe this, and Pete, you know, a lot of us have, you know, differ on opinions, but we do feel that this product is headed in the right direction as far as what is on field. This is going to be a key, key quarterback here that is drafted at number one, and you, I mean, for any of it or any way possibly for it to go wrong quickly, you know, with a guy with a little bit of a, you know, head injury, you know, and everybody always uses, that, well, you know, the, the Cleveland curse. You know, it's something that makes me think a little bit here and hesitate a little bit here.
0: Sure. I mean, look, it's uh, after all, bottom line is you got to sell it as much as people hate to think of this from a, 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 you know, you want to just think about this as pure football. You have to sell it. And, and, you know, this is the reason you don't, you know, generally don't see a guard go top five. You have to sell it. So if you're an owner, if you're got, you want to sell tickets, I get it. I mean, it's an inescapable part of it, but purely from a football standpoint, Nothing changes for me. Uh, it's it's Baker Mayfield one, then Josh Rosen two. But yeah, I mean that that, that is inevitably going to be part of the conversation that the average fan who doesn't get into this as much as other people. It's a, a legitimately scary thing for people, uh, and, and it's it, you know it's it's sort of hard to get away from.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, and regardless, and now with the concussions, look, he, Josh Rosen needed to bulk up. He needs twenty pounds minimum, you know, and, it, and it's got to be the correct way put on. It's not just getting chunky. You know, it does have a thin frame, you know, which is fine for his age. It is fine. And, you know, once you're making millions of dollars, you know, you're you're not eating late-night Taco Bell. You know, you're you're eating the fine stuff. You're eating the good stuff. You know, but either way, we're, we're going to need to see the weight go up on Josh Rosen as a prospect. Uh, here's one that we, we got into. To, well, it didn't get into but came up today. Uh, the Georgia running back duo. And, look, Georgia, guys, if anybody saw what they did yesterday in the early signing period, Georgia's going to be a force, and they're going to be a force for quite a while. Um, ridiculous what they did yesterday as far as, you know, an early recruiting day. You know, Georgia's, you know, Georgia, it's going to be an issue for Bama for the next couple of years. They're going to be a legit contender. Uh, the running back duo, obviously we have two coming out this year. Uh, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle. Uh, I was surprised to see you were on the Nick Chubb side. Uh, so I'll let you start here.
0: Um, so, look, I, 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 when it comes to Nick Chubb, everything's going to be medical what is where is his knee when it comes to the combine and everything which we comes, do,
1: which most people are not going to be privy to
0: right and we're never going to know but that's going to be the thing so unless like there's some leak scans about how you know he's got He's some only d- got
1: 3 seasons right or- degenerative
0: knee condition he's a JGE situation or whatever and even that can be can be crap as illustrated by Phil Taylor's, uh, what was it? Uh, petrify, petrifying foot he had uh, when he was coming out—that was crap. So that—that's that's that's where we're, we start. It's it's going to be where where is Chubb's knee? Is it healthy? You know, what is it have in it? But just from a pure running standpoint, to me, Chubb sort of just understands how to do it. Uh, his vision, his strength, his power—he's got speed. He can run inside. He can run outside. I think, I think you know you're going to make your money with him. Between the tackles, uh, but he certainly has enough to him that when he goes outside, he can make DBs regret it. He's a guy who gets through tackles. He's got a ton of strength. Um, He's fantastic. I would not be surprised in the least if Sonny Michel tests better. uh, That's where I was going to go. Than he does. But uh, the counter to that is that, look, when you get down to it, Georgia has told you that Nick Chubb is the better back. They use him more. They've used him more in every season he's ever been there. Uh, He's been their dude. Now, Michelle's had a great year. Maybe he's just a little bit of a late bloomer. Uh, And and certainly, you know, Georgia may be just smartening up as far as how they use the running backs with this sort of dynamic duo. But from catching the ball to running the ball to, to blocking to all those little things, to me, Nick Chubb already looks like a professional running back playing college where Sonny Michelle may be a more explosive player. Uh, maybe a physically more impressive player just sort of in, in that sort of eye popping away. But to me, you know again, pending health, I think Chubb's that guy who just sticks around eight to ten years and just keeps churning out you know big season after big season, uh, you know a thousand yards every year type guy. You just sort of for, you just sort of take him for granted and he just churns it away and, and, and does does dirty work for you.
1: I, I think you described that actually very well and let me preface this before you know we I, I get into my points on Sony both these guys I don't really see any reason unless Chubb you know the medicals do come back with a lot of questions these guys are both going probably in the top three rounds I, I think sony michelle I, I I think you know I like chunk plays I like chunk guys um and and I view it more as. I'm going to play a stable of running backs. Look, neither one of these guys are, you know, the Le'Veon Bell, the Ezekiel Elliott's, the absolute bell cow of the backfield. So I think if I'm going this avenue where, you know, and look, we don't really see this with Cleveland guys. You don't see Duke Johnson put in the best situations. But if I'm building a stable, I want guys that do X, Y, and Z. And that's what I'm going to call for them when I put them on the football field. So, you know, I, I think... I think Michelle uh, with what he brings as far as the big playability is something I, I, I do like. And I do like the fact that he's been, you know, part of a running back by committee down at Georgia. And even this year, you know, obviously if are a freshman in the mix, you know, fantastic young back himself, you know, guy who'll certainly be talked about in a couple of years, but I do like the fact that Michelle is already into that type of role. There's very few teams and very few guys who are capable of being a David Johnson or being the only running back on your roster. So for me, you know, give me the wow factor. You know, I think you're going here more the, you know, the safe and you already know what you got approach, right?
0: Well, I, 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 that's part of it. I, the The worry you have with a guy like Michelle is that he gets into the league, somebody makes him a feature back. You guys took him in the top of the second round, for example, uh, and he just doesn't live up to what you expect from him. That he's more of a role player. I think. Part of what makes Michelle so attractive and, and part of what's hurting Chubb a little bit is Chubb's boring in the sense that he's been around for, you know, four years. And anymore that's becoming, you know, player if they've already popped like Chubb has, there's there's a sense that a guy's getting boring, a guy's getting stale, and, 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 and he's in no in a lot Dad. of ways. In a lot of ways, Michelle is new and fun and and there's a, an element of it and I'm not accusing you of this uh, that some people are you know want to talk about the new guy or excited about the new guy and sort of forget that the old reliable back there you know the thing I you know when I look at it, to me Chubb is the guy you put in the fourth quarter when you're up you have a lead and you just keep feeding him and he just beats the crap out of a defense and you he, he's the closer he's the guy who just eats carries. Uh, and again, when you have a guy – and to me, I, I would like to ultimately head to a four or five back system when you include Vitaly uh, where you have Duke Johnson as the offensive weapon. You have a guy like Chubb who you just put in there and you know what he's going to give you every time. And then you have you know somebody who may be more explosive in between the tackles and that and – none of them require a substantial investment. If somebody goes down, it's not the end of the world and you just sort of have you know a, a real – Group approach to the running back position. I, to me, I mean, if you can get a Le'Veon Bell, if you can get you know a Jordan Howard, you can get some of those guys. You know, you're going to ride the hot hand, and they're going to get a million carries and, and be great. Uh, but you know, anymore, I you know, just looking at it from a draft perspective, looking at it from a financial standpoint. I'd rather put my money elsewhere. There's just too many damn good running backs in this class is embarrassing with the amount of guys that are coming. So you could legitimately have a guy like Chubb or Michelle end up falling to round 3, round 4 and people are going to be sitting there going, "How the hell are these guys still here?" type deal, uh, just cuz there's so many guys. So, you know, it's it's what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? You know, we may differ, but ultimately all they're all pretty good.
1: Yeah, and and if you know, look, if we learned anything from last year, uh, you don't have to spend premium premium capital to get premium production, and and that's what we're starting to see here, uh, guys. The Thursday edition of Locked On Browns is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Uh, look, I really like it, uh, MyBookie.ag. I give you a promo code. Use Locked On. Uh, very simple, and the site runs smoothly. Uh, you make your bets, you win, you get your money back. The slogan: You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, I've done. Pretty well this year with mybookie.ag. Uh had myself a nice little Thanksgiving. Thanks for the uh, three games on Thanksgiving in the NFL. It was a nice little turnaround for my daughter's birthday the next day. I'm going to give you three picks, and I'm actually going to put Pete down the spot here to pick the Bears-Browns uh, games. Chargers are only laying six and a half to the Jets. If Josh McGowan was still playing, look, it's it's now or never time for the Chargers. I do think they are going to find a way to squeak themselves into that wild card. Take uh, Lay the six and a half. Go ahead, take the Chargers. Saints are laying six to Atlanta this week. I I like the Saints better. Uh, I think that Thursday night game, they lost Alvin Kamara as early as they did. I think that was a big factor in that game. You know, now that the game is obviously flipped, now down in New Orleans, I'm actually going to lay the six. The the spread here speaks to me, the the fact that they're laying six, and it's such a meaningful game. I I like the Saints here. Go ahead and lay that six. Uh, Dolphins getting 10 against the Chiefs. Same thing, uh, Kansas City now with the change in play calling. Uh, You know, obviously now with Nagy taking over and calling the plays, uh, it looked real good against the Chargers, obviously, last Saturday night. I'm going to go ahead. I'm actually going to lay the 10. It's normally a number I do not really like to mess with, but I'm going to lay the 10 here. Uh, Miami, look, uh, you know, Jay Cutler is already answering questions of, well, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do next year. So none of that speaks anything good. I'll take the Chiefs and the 10. Uh, Bears, I was a little surprised. I mean, it's not like the Bears are world beaters here, but laying six and a half to Cleveland here. Pete, go ahead.
0: I mean, I would take the Bears. I, I, I just, I, I just have that little confidence. Don't exactly. I, I, it's, it's again. This is a game the Browns not should just cover. Should win uh, if they just do the basics. But you cannot uh, trust in the quarterback play or you know anything else going about. I, I, you know, you, you don't think Trubisky is going to be a world beater if the Browns can just take care of Jordan Howard. But at the same time, you know, Akeem Hicks is on the other side and some of these other guys, Lamar Houston, uh, you know, there's just, the the recipe is there for Kaiser to just sort of implode, potentially have Hugh Jackson do something else stupid like, you know, bench him, put in uh, Kevin Hogan and, and, and do anything for the win, except, you know, go for it on fourth and one. I still can't, I'm still not over that. That That's my defining moment of when he should have been fired, when he didn't go for it on fourth and one against the Packers. But he's just, there's just no reason to believe in this, what they've got at the the most important things. Games in the fourth quarter come down to quarterback and coaching, and the Browns are losing on both fronts.
1: And, you know, and the other thing is, is why it's so tough is, you know, these guys, you know, they're taking shots all over the place. This is a young team. Now it's, you know, they know they're 0-14. You know, 0-16 is as close as possible. They know the new GM, you know, misworded some words, however he wanted to put it, and put him down. You know, Hughes continue to put people down. You got Duke Johnson now playing the Mike Silver role for Deshaun Kaiser saying, look, I know he's going through a tough time right now. He needs his friends. Well, no, he needed his head coach to step up for him, the head coach that loved him so much in August. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to think that a win can come out of this franchise right now. But, guys, mybookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Go ahead, sign up with them, get some bets in here the next couple of weeks over to playoff time. Uh, trust me, uh, you know, it, it's a product I definitely endorse, and we appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, one more here before we get to what, uh, you know, obviously uh, we've got some good feedback here from the fans, some stuff they want to buggy about and poke you about, Pete. Uh, Courtland Sutton, you seem pretty high on him. A little, some nerves for me is the AAC schedule. Uh, look, I know he's got the opportunity to go to Mobile. I really want him to do that. Um, I, I, you know, I don't have him above Auden Tate. Yes, I love Auden Tate. I don't have him above Auden Tate. I think Calvin Ridley is your best wide receiver here, and I think it's a conversation of, does somebody else sneak into that first round after that?
0: But go ahead and sell me on Cortland. So, you know, Cortland Sutton, he he's a brick shit house. I mean, he's just an enormous kid uh he's 64 listed uh he's 200 you know 15 or whatever pounds but he looks you know he looks big i mean he's just an enormous guy that's just physically imposing uh, the big question with Cortland Sutton is going to be speed and and depending on who you ask there are people who think he's going to be a 44 guy there are people who think he's going to be closer to a 46 guy and i think part of the reason that he's hard to sort of read on the field Is because he's such a long strider, and and the guy he reminds me of an awful lot is Terrell Pryor. In that, whether it was Ohio State as a quarterback, uh, in the NFL, now as a receiver, he's got these big long strides, and it looks so slow. But then you sort of see how much ground is going behind him, and he's really flying. And I think there's a little bit of that to Cortland Sutton, uh, but obviously he's you know he's about twenty-two as opposed to close to thirty. He's been playing receiver uh you know for our, you know his football career as opposed to being a quarterback converting. Um his production is outstanding. Uh he's been you know fantastic as a as a freshman. He's been fantastic as a sophomore. He started this season out a little slower than he has, but he picked it up. They've got another dude on the other side who's pretty good. Uh just in terms of if you were to draw a receiver up, he looks like that X guy and he's probably the one, you know, I, I, I think he's the most popular guy that you sort of put as sort of the obvious number one in that stereotypical old school X role. Um, when you're going to have questions about Sutton, it's going to be how quick are his feet, which is this is the big thing that Pryor had to sort of adjust with because you're a long strider, because you're you know a bigger guy, can you get in and out of your brakes quickly? Can you get off press quickly? Is it a matter of you're just going to overpower people uh, and that type of stuff? But the stuff I like about Sutton, he can go get the ball. He's fearless across the middle. When he gets the ball in his hands, he doesn't just run uh, down the field. He's aggressive. He'll he'll lead with contact. But, I mean, you know, certainly I would love to see him go to the Senior Bowl. I don't know where his graduation status is on that. He's, he's graduated. So he's eligible. But – the question you have with uh courtland sutton is the aac and meanwhile you know that's the same question that's affecting the other acc or the aac prolific receiver anthony miller out of memphis at some point i mean look i, I would love to see these guys both compete against nfl dbs and, and you're gonna have that and if he doesn't compete it's gonna be a little bit of what they had uh last year with uh cory davis out of out of uh, central michigan uh western western michigan that you're going to have where can he really do it against top competition uh and testing is going to be everything but at some point you just got to watch the tape trust it his production metrics are outstanding how is he going to test we'll see uh but I, I he if he tests well i could legitimately see him make that Corey davis type right it will not be five Uh, But he's a guy who could flirt with the top ten, and if he doesn't, he could be sitting there at the end of round one, and a team like the Browns or somebody else may want to move up and grab him. uh, That would be a a, a fantastic fit, whether it's across from or an insurance policy to a guy like Josh Gordon with Corey Coleman sort of being able to move all over the place.
1: And and look, it's something that's going to be needed in Cleveland because you have an injury risk, you have the ultimate risk, it's a position that somehow, some way, is going to have to be entertained before you're back to Bryce Treggs and Cason Williams taking meaningful saps against the New York Jet franchise. Uh, we do have some listener stuff. And this is the first one here. This is actually, you know, something we've all pretty much been hitting on. Uh, you know, this is uh, at OSU Football Talk. Assuming we get two top five picks. And look, guys, all cars are pointing to it. It's It's going to be two top five picks. The only question is what are going to be the final numbers on it. Who do you see us taking that will immediately help this team start winning games? I'll let you start here, Pete.
0: Well, the first things first, uh, if, if the uh, Texans don't do what they're supposed to do week 17 against a very beatable uh, Indianapolis Colts team, we could be looking at about eight uh, so, but, but if we're, if we're working at what, what, what is currently one and four, and if, the, and if the Texans lose out, that's what we'll end up with. To me, it's Baker from Mayfield and Micah Fitzpatrick. Those are the, that is the best offensive player in the draft and the best defensive player in the draft. Uh, both are just special, special players. Micah Fitzpatrick is an easier sell because he doesn't have any obvious, you know, things to pick on, whether it's off the field. Uh, The arrest. He doesn't have the, you know, crotch grab or any of that stuff. He's also not short. He's prototypical, basically in every possible way. He's a fantastic kid. Nick Saban raves about him. Um, His attitude. You know, he's almost like an android when it comes to the sport and how much he sort of puts into it. At, at, you know, basically what is 21 years old. He's a leader. He's got everything you want. He can play every position in the secondary. Um, He's an impact player. That you know, Miles Garrett was to the front seven, uh, he can be for the secondary. Uh, that's that's the dream scenario for me. Um, you know, if you get those two guys, you've set yourself up to have first make a humongous step forward on offense just because you 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 can it's not difficult to see just how much better this team would be with just average quarterback play, doesn't even have to be good, just average. Uh, and then getting a, a playmaker on defense. The biggest thing that's been hurting the Browns on defense is lack of turnovers. Uh, certainly, we can talk about Greg Williams and his cockamamie off coverage and dropping Danny Shelton into into short zones and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, but to this point, the Browns have six interceptions on the year. Six. Micah Fitzpatrick is a guy who can get you six in a season. That's you know that becomes the big element. Is is. You have a guy like Miles Garrett, you have Emmanuel Og, but Miles Garrett is a legitimate stud, everything he's supposed to be. And if he puts pressures on these quarterbacks and they make mistakes, Mika Fitzpatrick's the smart uh, guy with great ball skills and returnability that punishes him for him. And not only that, but he's a guy with a threat to put points on the board. So if, if we can get to a position where the Browns end up with those two guys, those are franchise-altering, game-changing players, no different than Garrett was last year.
1: Yeah, see, for me, uh, look, the quarterback, look, you know, Baker Mayfield is continuously closing the, closing the gap. I think Josh Rosen, you know, still a special, special throw of the football. There's no questions here. You know, guys, it, it's going to be quarterback at one. It should be quarterback at one. And, you know, even, you know, it's not me that thinks Lamar Jackson's the top quarterback. But regardless, you were here at one. You were going to be most likely in the top five. You take your quarterback at one. Because you got no plans of being back in this top ten anytime soon. This is going to be the last one that changes things. Uh, Micah Fitzpatrick, it it seems to be another consensus. And uh, Look, my brother-in-law coached against Micah Fitzpatrick when he was playing Pop Warner. Micah Fitzpatrick, at 13 years old, was calling out plays that my brother-in-law was running. Just from formations, just from seeing the way the kids lined up, he is the football savant. Uh, and the best thing about him is yes he can play deep he can play some, he can do free safety stuff he can play closer to the line he can blitz he I mean yes there may be a team or two that thinks maybe he's a quarterback the way the corner the way it is that Jalen Ramsey went that is how legit of a defensive back and the skills that he brings are special special talent and look that secondary you know Greg Williams you know he's got you know McCordy hung tough. You know, obviously, Bobby Calhoun great in the nickel, but overall, you just you need some bodies there. You need some you need guys who can just make plays and Minka brings that to you in absolute spades. So you most likely your dream scenario is quarterback of choice and Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, here we have from Patrick: What would the plan be if Joe Thomas does retire?
0: Oh, panic! I mean, it
1: it messes up a lot of things.
0: Look, there are. This is not a great offensive tackle class, but there are some dudes. Uh, So, I I, I think there's certainly an option. Let's. I do not think the Browns gave Joe Thomas three million dollars just to you know say here, here you go, here's your gold watch.
1: Sorry, we jinxed you because we were talking so much about the ten thousand snaps.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, (laughs) there's just nothing in his. Look, I, I understand that he's, you know, he's saying all the right things. Um, he's saying he wants to, you know, talk it over with his family. He wants to fully be able to make a, a a sober decision about his body. Here's the problem: Joe Thomas is one absolutely stupidly madly in love with football. It, it, he cannot help himself from that standpoint. And two, he's playing at an elite level. There are a lot of people who want to say he's fallen off he's still a phenomenal top three tackle in the league. Uh, And, and, you know, I'm hoping that the Spencer Durango experience has sort of sobered people up and and helped them appreciate just how good he is. Biomechanically, Joe Thomas is perfect. Like he's done every little thing to make his stance, his step, and everything so efficient that he doesn't – if you watch it on tape and you break it down, I I mean, I've had the chance to, you know, to go to a clinic and have LaCharles Bentley talk about it. It's perfect. He, you just cannot do it any better than he's done it. So I, I don't think that's a likely scenario. But what I do think is there are guys uh, that in this draft class where there could be a real opportunity to pick up a swing tackle who can develop behind Joe, uh, Joe Thomas. And and the guy I love the most is the guy you took in your, the mock draft you guys did is, is uh, Mitch Hyatt from Clemson. I think that kid's a stud. And ultimately, if he does declare – I would not be surprised in the least if that dude ends up being a first-round pick. He, If you just watch the game, uh, the national title game against Clemson, and what he did against Jonathan Allen, he's a phenom. And, and that was as a sophomore, and he's only a junior now, but he's just so good uh, in terms of his ability to bend, his hip flexibility, all the stuff you want to see, movement skills, and he's a nasty guy, uh, you know, in terms of mean streak and all that stuff, and then, the other guy I, I, I like in early viewing is, is Brian O'Neal out of Pitt, uh, who, who just declared for the draft. Now, obviously, he'd go, go back uh, if, if he hasn't signed with an agent, doesn't like his feedback. He's a former tight end, really light on his feet, uh, still bulking up, uh, but he, he played right tackle the past the previous two years, was left tackle this year. Pitt had a, a an astoundingly good offensive line last year. Uh, with with Dorian Johnson at left guard and, and the other uh, left tackle they had last year, I thought was Boat, good. Boat,
1: Boat Swede, Boat Swede, yeah, Boat,
0: yeah. Bozawadi. Adam <laughs> Bozawadi. And Brian O'Neill to me, is better than both of them uh, in terms of what he can be. I think he's a little bit of a project, which is why I think he'd be perfect for Cleveland uh, in, in the sense that Joe Thomas is a fount of knowledge who's actively looking to help people. Uh, and obviously he's been doing that with Durango. I think he could help a guy like Brian O'Neill while he's getting stronger, give them a nice swing tackle option for a year behind Sean Coleman uh, and, and Thomas himself. But you know if if somehow some way Joe Thomas decides, look, let, let, let's say he, he finds out something's wrong, something's legitimately wrong with him, then obviously it becomes a bigger deal, but I still don't think there's a guy in this draft and maybe it's Mitch Hyatt that warrants going you know top 10. At uh, the offensive tackle position, and I think you may either trade down or trade up to get your guy, uh, and, and it becomes a Drango slash try to get the rookie ready. But I really don't see Tom- I I don't see a scenario where Thomas decides he's going to go out on an injury after doing the ten thousand snaps. Everything else, I think he his, his the way he sort of programmed. He's going to go out, leaving the field on his feet. You know helmet off, you know, absorbing the cheers, not going off, grabbing his arm and not being able to remember that like Taylor Luan was, you know, was, was telling him to get better and all this other stuff.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is, look, I mean, he's doing weather reports on game day, you know, talking with Drago, you know, constantly talking about Miles Garrett. Uh, You know, I think at the heart of it, Joe Thomas is a football guy. And if this was any other type of injury where it was something, you know, knee, Achilles, Or, you know, a question of his back or a question of his neck and something that, you know, this is something I, you know, I maybe have to be concerned with down the road. Look, he may be concerned with some stuff down the road anyway from playing football all these years. But this wasn't, you know, a major injury where, you you know, you you see guys walk away from the game from uh, his passion and love for the game is sick and ridiculous. And like you said, I I don't think they would have given him the three million just for getting hurt, you know, because he's walking away as much as I don't think Joe Thomas would have taken it. You know, I've made my money. You don't have to give me $3 million because I got hurt. You know, I, it just nothing about the Joe Thomas narrative and the type of guy he is speaks on any of that. Guys, uh, obviously it's Bears week. Uh, Locked on Bears. I actually recorded a show with uh, them today. Lauren Cox does a great job over there. Anything, Bears, you need check out uh, at Sports one on Twitter. Check out the Locked on Bears podcast. Lauren does a fantastic job with that. So anything you need, Browns fans, before this Sunday, go ahead and check that out. We're going to get back to some listener stuff here, Pete. And let's see what we got here. Ah, our buddy out in L.A., stand-up comedian at Brown's Mock Draft. Uh, A lot of talk here that maybe some sort of veteran-type presence quarterback should be brought in here. You have a preference here, Pete.
0: Yeah, it's Chase Chase Daniel, uh, who's currently with the Saints. To me... First, a lot of this is based on the fact that whether it's Mayfield, you know, obviously my preference, or Rosen, I think either guy can start right now. Uh, I, you know, people talk about Alex Smith. People talk about some of these other options, Tyrod Taylor. Who, I don't think Tyrod Taylor has any interest in coming to be a bridge, where he, you know, he basically just got uh, sort of thrown under the bus in Buffalo. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but I think he's good enough where he he knows he can get a job somewhere and actually play. Uh, I don't know if Alex Smith has decided, Hey, I'm cool with just being a backup at this point. I, I think he's another guy who can be a legitimate starter for somebody. I mean, it, you know, certainly people think that you know, Jacksonville may be in the market to make, make a big splash or maybe they like Bortles, uh, you know, God help them if they do. But, it, you know, that could be a situation where you add Alex Smith to the, the, their uh, roster and they're a much better football team just by getting a little bit more out of the quarterback position. To me, whether it's Rosen or Dan, uh, Rosen or Mayfield, uh, I, certainly I think Daniel's advantage, if we have Mayfield, is he's faced all these sort of challenges. He's a shorter quarterback. He's he, you know he's a plucky guy. Uh, you know, uh, got a little bit of an edge to him and all that. He was a great quarterback in college? Um, he is. Sort of understands what he is. I, I you know, he got, you know, he felt like he got wronged a little bit in Philadelphia, but ultimately he went back to the Saints behind Drew Brees, which is the whole reason they liked him there in the first place. He was very similar to that style; they wouldn't have to change the playbook. Uh, but I think he's an ideal guy to sort of mentor uh, Mayfield or or a guy like Rosen, and if some for some reason they aren't aren't ready or or they get hurt or something you can win a game or two with Chase Daniel but you're not in the market to get somebody to play you know a full season i mean this at what point are you saying you know god forbid you, you get Alex Smith you know are are people going to want to go through in cleveland what the, the chiefs are going through in kansas city i think they've done it right in kansas city in terms of mahomes i don't think he was ready i think he needed the time i think it's been a smart Development plan with him there, but I in Cleveland they, you know, with Rose and Mayfield, I, I think they're gonna be ready from the word go. But I also think that this fan base is terrible when it comes to patience on that type of stuff. I mean, even with uh, e- even with Brian Hoyer, uh, you know, they they were seven and four, lost some games, and then and then couldn't help themselves and and, and demanded they put in a kid who had no business being on the field. I I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. I I think Chase Daniel's the easiest, simplest, most efficient way to get where you want to go. You know, I I couldn't agree more. You know, you want, I don't
1: exactly, and I think the way you put it that I do absolutely agree with, and, you know, that whole scenario we tried to do with Chase Daniel, but it's just the way the app works. You know, apparently Chase Daniel wanted crazy money, you know, for what the role he would be serving. You, You don't necessarily want somebody in here to start, you want somebody in here who, if all went wrong, had to start. But you're looking for yet another extension of the coaching staff. And look, and that's ultimately where Chase Daniel is going to end up. You know, QB coach, offensive coordinator, maybe potential head coach down the line. You know, and God bless him. I mean, it works out well. I mean, you know, Chase Daniel is going to make a boatload of money through the NFL without ever having really played much, which is fantastic. You bring in the Dorsey ties, obviously, that he was drafted uh, in Kansas City by John Dorsey. So obviously, you know, I'm sure he thinks pretty highly of him. So you, you kind of connect the dots there, and that seems to be the perfect guy. Uh, you, and you know, look, you know, Deshaun Kaiser is still going to be here. You know, hope, you hope that maybe somehow the coaching staff is overhauled, and it's a fresh start for everybody. And you know, you have whether you know you have the plucky guy or you have the tall guy, and you have the Kaiser. You know, you, but the thing is, you want to turn a positional negative into a positional positive, and either way, that's what you have to do. So, but yeah, I think Chase Daniel is kind of like the dream scenario on that option. Uh, this one here is a little bit of a layup, but uh, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, twenty eighteen starter, next to Danny Shelton.
0: This is what I thought should have happened from the word go, I, and I projected this with him because I was I, I was a huge Larry Ogunjobi guy. I mean, I he's one of the most charming men I've ever met. I, you know, that's not my thing, but that guy could literally legitimately win me over. He is just so damn good, and for whatever reason, they haven't just said, screw it. We're going to put Shelton and Ogunjobe here. We're going to slam your your three interior guys inside and see what you can do with it. Um, it's, you know, I, I would like that to be what happens. Uh, at the same time, I would also like them to get a, a, a better three technique that can get after the quarterback. Um, the scenario where that doesn't happen is if, you know, they, let's say the, the Texans win, uh, knock them down to eighth, and, and the Browns find themselves weirdly out of position where they, you know, they trade down or, or whatever and they end up getting, you know, a, a defense. They, they end up in a situation where they want to take a defensive tackle like a Christian Wilkins or one of those guys to, to really, really put a hammer on that position. Uh, that's certainly an attractive, attractive deal. Uh, But I think the thing with people don't seem to understand about Larry Larry Ogunjobi at this point, he has no idea what he's doing. Uh, He has no (laughs) clue. At this point, he's just a really, really strong kid who's just beating people up inside. He's not using a ton of technique. He has no idea how to rush the quarterback, and he's really good at it. And, and, you know, this is a kid who's obviously new to football in, in, in some respects. But as the game slows down for him, and, and as he's really got time to sort of learn, in the way that Emmanuel Ogba sort of been learning, I think he's going to get better and better and better. And what I'd like to see is a situation where Larry Ogunjobi becomes your pass rushing nose. Uh, they get another athlete in there. Miles Garrett's been a guy they love at the three. He's great at it. Right guards can barely get a hand on him. Uh, and you find another, you know, little edge guy uh, that yep. I'd love to find in this draft. Uh, you know, a guy like. Joe Ostman from Central Michigan, who's a guy I really like. Uh, or, you know, if you really love Jamie, Jamie Collins, you can put him down as a designated edge in that scenario. But just find somebody. I always like Tyrone Holmes. Uh, now he's with the Chiefs practice squad. Go figure. Um, or Nate Orchard, whoever. Just somebody who can come in. You get a little bit smaller. You get a, bit, a little more athletic, and you, you still get that production where you can just get after people. Yeah, and I
1: think the thing with Joby is, and I, actually I, I'm kind of okay that they kind of slowed it down for him because he, he, he seems to be popping when he's out there. So, you know, coming from where he came from, obviously a little bit lower level,
0: you,
1: you're seeing, you know, the growth that you want. Best thing for Larry is, you know, find one of, you know, these, you know, out of football now D-line guys. Go learn some traits. Uh, I think you're seeing a guy who might take like a, a Damon Harrison type of rise. Like once he actually is taught how to play the position, with the fact that he you know, he is strong as an ox, the feet are pretty good. You know, I think the sky's the limit there. Uh, he, you know, you know, if you want to tell me by October, he is going to be the best interior defensive lineman on the team, there's no doubt about it. I think he can do more than Danny Shelton can. You know, as long as, you know, he just works at it and, you know, picks up what he has to. So, you know, I think it was a pretty slam-dunk selection. And, again, you know, he wasn't a real player, so we can't give him any love. But, you know, that was a that was a great, great pick by Sashi Brown and, and the guys there. He's, you know, Larry, I mean, he's, he's a guy that you constantly, constantly see something with him on every play, even when it's caught up in that mess inside. Does a great job with it. Uh, Pete, any party shots before we wrap this one up, my man?
0: Um... No, I'm. I'm all. I mean, I'm always happy to come on and put the, uh, you know, the L's in Lloyd.
1: Uh, look, you can't spell Lloyd without two L's, bro. It's the only way it works. It's the only way. And, and thank God, you know, from the English, from the Welsh and Irish roots, that they put two of those bad boys on there. I'll live with that one for a while. But guys, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Pete Smith does a great job. NFL Spin Zone, fantastic job. You know, obviously now getting into draft coverage. You know, follow Pete, read the work. Uh, Locked on Browns, guys. I cannot appreciate the amount of support. Uh, here we are already into the twenties of December, and after a ridiculous November, uh, listenership is up over thirty-seven percent for this month. You guys have been awesome to me. Uh, I appreciate all the feedback, all you know, suggestions on what you want to hear. So, guys, follow at underscore Pete Smith underscore. I think that's what it's like. But, you know, just look for the cool Abby. You guys know which one it is. Uh, follow the Locked On Browns account, guys. It, it's the easiest way for me to interact with everybody. My own personal account is. It's big. It's hectic. I follow a lot of people. I miss a lot of stuff over there. I, I see a lot more at the on Browns account. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. And anything you need, guys, hit me up. Anybody you want to hear? Look, I, I ain't afraid about shooting my shot on anybody. You know, threw one out to Peter King today. But look, you know, hey, anything you all want to hear, I'm more than willing to try to do it. Pete, have yourself a great holiday. And, uh, you know, let's put it this way. Uh, you know, let's go Pittsburgh. It's kind of weird to say.
0: Yeah, Pittsburgh, and then uh, believe go believe, Indy. him, believe him, Brissett.
1: Yes, come on, Jacoby. All right, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow. Lockdown Browns, episode one thirty six. We will talk to you all later. Have a great night.